I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. I'm taking my time. All I could talk in is starting to run. I'm letting go lonely, letting go strife. I just can't get enough of this beautiful the Enneagram is a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships. It creates language for what motivates us and helps us look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram's a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, and with me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram Ninja. Hello. So, as you know, I need affirmations just occasionally. Not very often, just occasionally. But just occasionally. Yeah. Read recently that the title professor yeah. is a lifelong title. Ooh. So say it's the case that you step away from your professorial job. Yeah, sure. You get to continue to be a professor. Nice. Congratulations. I need standing and uh, made-up titles yeah. to uh, to give me value, I think apparently. A, a validation is another good word to, the, to use here. Hmm. I never would have known that about you. Interesting. For for those of us, uh, for those of you who don't know, I I, I presently rent out uh, you know physical spaces, like buy buildings and rent out spaces. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, like I for my my entire life, I've been chasing uh, like the world of ideas. Get a chance to obviously do a lot of that here, but there's something lacking when I'm just like, well, you know, I've I've got a podcast that I record. It's great. People listen. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> There's nothing no, tangible professor. about it, though. And there's no yeah. one above us to say you've done a good job. I need somebody to... I don't need it all the time. Just once or twice. <laughs> and listener, you should hear that me saying it isn't enough. No, you're the one creating it. Right. need like... Uh, there, there is a difference. This is uh, between quantity and quality. Like, if we had 100,000 listeners, it would be one thing. If we had 100 listeners, but all of them were the finest Enneagram thinkers in the world, that's a different thing. Sure, yeah. Do you have a preference, or do you even care? I don't even care. Yep. If we had seven <laughs> listeners and all of them were our friends, I would be fine with that, because I feel good about what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you got your hobbit hole and nothing's going to break. Yeah. It would be much more like a regular hobby at that point, as opposed to like a... like a side hustle kind of thing like it is now. Sure. But yeah, I'd be totally fine with that. Just naming my insecurities. It's a thing. But hey, guess what? I'm a professor. It's true. So (laughs) (laughs) speaking of people that know things, we left off with the fives last time. I suppose I should probably set up all of the things that we're doing. Uh, Unless you got the summary kind of in your head of what we've tackled. I feel like my summary is go back and listen to part one. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing an intro to underlying feelings, and then we're just blowing open the whole rest of the Enneagram and saying, and notice this, and notice this, and notice this. The overlap of, of feelings with time and... Uh, and our focus and our fears and our sins and all of these things. Yeah, it just, there, there's an overlap and that's what we're doing. Basically an audio version of a Venn diagram. <laughs> it's always hard to describe. Here's what I'm seeing. Right. I'm in front of the Mona Lisa and she's kind of looking to the left. <laughs> but is she? One big thing that we should elevate is the idea of focus. This is a category TJ and I have created, something that we're elevating and saying this really matters when talking about underlying feelings. Um, Focus for eights, nines, and ones for body types is about their spaces. These can be both exterior spaces, but oftentimes are also internal spaces. Mm -hmm. How do they feel inside? Do they feel comfortable? Yeah, like the energy, the the physical sense of your body in the space, the sort of undefinable, like, walk into a room and you get a sense of what the room is like. How does my clothing make me feel? Yeah. Uh, how does my weight make me feel? Mm-hmm. It's not a comparative. When I think about weight, it's I, it's very seldom what do people think about me and my physical 
body. Yeah. It's, it's much more intuitive. Yeah. It's much more, I want to have a certain connection with my body and feel a certain way about my body. Right. And that bleeds out. My eight child, very concerned about the texture of their food and about the how their clothing makes them feel. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they are neurodivergent, and so it's elevated, but it's still the case. External feelings about their environments matter. Yep. Five, sixes, and sevens focus on assets, on, on the things that they have acquired that will give them a sense of security. These can be all sorts of things, knowledge, wealth, friendships, a community that cares about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, positions in, in like like job security and uh, opportunities within that position and and like all the diff- different things that you can sort of point at and say, this is mine. That's, yeah, all kinds of different resources for five, six, and sevens. And twos, threes, and fours, which we covered last time, focused on relationships. And a lot of comparison there. Lots of what do other people think about me going on. These are the focus of our types, given our centers. Second big idea is underlying feeling. Coming out of these focuses um, is often the anger when one can't control their spaces or the fear when one doesn't have the right assets or the shame when relationships have gone badly. Mm-hmm. And so anger, fear, and shame, we spent a lot of time last time unpacking those, but that's going to be a huge part of our conversation here. Yep. We're going to jump into the sixes. We talked about fives and their assets last time, data, insights, knowledge. Sixes have a very different kind of asset that they generally prefer to make them feel safe. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about sixes? Yeah. Uh, we talked about fives collect information and make themselves feel safe by being sort of prepared for the things that are coming. And sixes are prepared in a different kind of way. They plan for all of the things that might go wrong. They, they are, are ready and capable of, of handling all of the situations. But a big part of that is by surrounding themselves with people and and doing the right work to make sure that those people are supporting them when they are in need. So it looks a lot like relationships uh, from the, the two, threes, and fours, but with sixes, they are trying to make sure that they are in the right group. They are in the right uh, system or hierarchy to get the security that they're looking for. If I stay within these bounds, then I know that I'm safe. And this person has set up the rules that define what these bounds are so that I get protected by this person by being part of their team. A lot of external energy, uh, investments in the group. How can I serve you? How can I earn the security I desire? Yep. In my family, in my job, in my platoon, in whatever, whatever you're surrounded by that provides you with that security and that is an asset. Yep. And I think that extends to all kinds of things that, uh, uh, my partner is a six and the cleanliness of the house is part of this because if the house is not the way that it's quote unquote supposed to be, then she can't get her work done. She can't focus on the things that she should be doing because this house isn't right and she might get in trouble. Like that that's not real, but there is a sense built into her of how things are supposed to look. And we don't really get a, a clear picture of that if we don't realize that part of what is happening is that she is sort of comparing herself to other people. Other people keep their houses well, and that means they are good adults. You want to talk about why that's different from the ways two, threes, and fours experience comparison? Yeah, because I think that with two, threes, and fours, their concern is the relationship, and they want to make sure that other people see them a certain way. And with sixes, who are not focused necessarily on the relationship, but on the security that they get from relationships, sixes use comparison to make sure that they're safe. The comparison is about 
what do other people accomplish and am I measuring up to those people? It's less about what people think and more about do I measure up? Do I meet the standards that other people are setting? It's an earning posture and it's a, it's a, we did talk about uh, being threes being sort of independently referenced and twos being externally referenced. Sixes are also externally referenced. And so they get their understanding of their safety and security from outside themselves. And the only way to do that is to see if you're, if you're measuring up with the people around you. Sixes are taking in the world through the future, like the other head types, responding to it in the present. And you'll notice how the fear emerges. The fear materializes in the present as a fear of not uh, a feeling like one won't be supported. Mm -hmm. That is going in two directions. That's not just my family, my tribe, my my job isn't going to support me. It's also internally focused of I don't know if I have what it takes I don't trust my thinking and the rest. Right. Um, you want to talk about the fear there? Yeah, that fear that that the way that doubt sort of creeps in and, and infects everything about them. Like we said, externally referenced, they, they don't trust their own thinking. They don't trust their own capabilities. And because they are looking at the possibilities of the future and and they don't trust themselves, they also don't trust all of the things that have happened in the past. I feel like sixes are one of the types that, that more actively reject the one that they are, are missing because the past is not a good indicator of the future for sixes because a- anything could happen in the future. So who cares what happened in the past? The things that are coming are the things that I'm worried about. And I only have what's in front of me to be able to respond to those possibilities. The negative side of this, when you when sixes really allow their fear to build and it materializes in their life in, in damaging ways, the passion of or this the traditional sin pops up and for sixes it's doubt, doubt of self, doubt of others, yep. et cetera. Yep. Um, and the fixation, which I think is a little bit more interesting here, the fixation is more of a cowardice or a recklessness, depending yeah. on how the instinct gets played out. Um, but those can be debilitating, mm-hmm. you know, circles to to get spun into. Yeah, there's this this lack of being able to productively think that that sort of moves into this cowardice of, of like, if you don't trust yourself, you're not going to make brave decisions because you don't trust your own ability, your own mind to be making the right choices. If you don't trust yourself or the people around you, that there can, like, that not thinking is what recklessness is. It's not real. It's just sort of advancing regardless of what might happen. It's, it's, the the idea of f around and find out like this is recklessness is a lack of thinking a lack of planning and and just charging forward anyway and that and cowardice are basically like they're they're two responses to the same thing it's it's not being able to think not being able not being able to properly and productively think not being able to trust not being able to respond to what has already happened to help inform you what to do next. You'll notice again the orientation to time on all of this, that there are future fears the six perceives because they're taking in the world through their head. Right. And so you can't escape anticipating what might go wrong. Right. And they are responding in the present with the tools they have. Sixes, ones, and twos all have present tools to get the things that they want. And so it's going to be, I'm going to earn my place in the tribe in order to alleviate my future fears. The elevation here at this point, like the, how do you, how do you escape that? We're going to talk quite a bit about that as we move forward, but Mm -hmm. just to tease it, the obvious thing is you need to start to trust yourself, trust your circle, need to elevate that repressed center. These are all ways to escape the vortex, uh, that doom loop. Yep. Engage your mind. Engage your mind. Sort of clear uh, things out. I also want to mention that it, we had talked about this in the last episode that, that I, I think there's one type in each center. 
that is yes. not seeking to get away from their underlying feeling, anger, fear, and shame. And I think sixes are the type in the in the head center because I think that the lack of productive thinking means that fears are not processed appropriately, which means that sixes don't know that they should be getting away from that fear. Right. Most the, of the sixes I know are, are very comfortable with saying, we should be afraid of these things. Yeah, that's where my mind went. Yeah. And when, when you mentioned it last time, it took me a minute to get my head around that, but you're correct in terms of eights, fours, and sixes all elevate their underlying feeling right. in order to expose the problem at hand because yep. everybody else should care about this thing that's making me so emotional. Mm-hmm. And clearly they have the same emotions. Don't you see that X, Y, and Z is going to destroy us? Right. The six is elevating fear. Right. And so too, the eight is elevating their anger. Yeah, they're completely comfortable with their anger, unlike almost all of the rest of us. Eights are like, yeah, anger is a tool. It's good. Yeah. And, and we deal and, with it, and then we move on. And you should be angry at the things I'm angry about as well. Right. And I'm going to tell you why you should be angry. And the fours, I mean, you want to play that out? How the fours are elevating the past in those ways? Yeah, and and comfortable with shame in the sense of it's a part of them, and if they're trying to get rid of it, that they're that means they're trying to deny a part of who they are. Yep. And that's in... You got to... Uh, I think we have to put our thumb on the problem-solving portion of that. Yep. So when things are breaking, when they, they don't feel comfortable, and they begin, when fours begin elevating, here's my authentic self and all, all the dark spots as well. I mm-hmm. want you to see me yep. and all the things that I've gone through and the ways that I'm not valuable in the way these other people might be valuable mm-hmm. uh, to myself and perhaps to the world. Etc. The 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 using shame to solve problems, and yep. the the problem will be solved when they can feel as though they're seen, feel as though they understand their own place and uniqueness. Yeah, 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 and potentially even even seeing themselves finding other people who have the same amount of shame. That's where I'll be home. Right. Yeah, the idea of the fatal flaw kind of comes in in my head there. Exactly. Moving to the sevens. Again, asset-focused type. The asset is not data. It's not necessarily wealth, not necessarily friendships and relationships. Talk about the asset for sevens. The asset for sevens is opportunity. Aye. And sevens who are looking for... That they, they want to find their security. They are looking for, there's always an option for the next thing. If this thing that I'm in right now turns out bad, the best way to overcome that is to have a plan B, to have mm-hmm. somewhere else I can go, to be able to cross the street when the sidewalk ends, to have other opportunities, other adventures, other places that they can go to sort of, escape or avoid or why would you want to stay in unpleasantness when you could go to a theme park or wherever it else were a mental theme park even there's always more opportunities to do something that's not bad and keeping my foot in the door to make sure that i have those opportunities that keeps me safe the unpleasantness might sound like it's external This is where it's very helpful for the rest of us to understand Enneagram. The direction for sevens is internal. Right. And so it could be the case that stuff is crappy all around you, and yet you're making the best out of it. Like, you know, look at all this manure and what we could do with it. Right. Um, Even though you're surrounded by a bunch of crap. Right. It's the internal darkness that the seven is avoiding. Exactly. Their underlying feeling goes inward, just like ones and fours. And so it's very important to note that the seven is moving in order to not feel that fear or they fear uh, the, the dark sides of experience that they, they have inside. Yeah. yeah and it's, it's, uh, we call their, their fear 
deprivation or lack. Mm-hmm. And, and it's about not having enough to be able to get through. And that's sort of what, like, the stuckedness, the, the, the not being able to move on is about, like, they can go through something unpleasant so long as they know there's an exit, there's, there's a, like, there's an end date because they don't feel like they have enough to make it through the hard stuff. That is the big fear for them. And so they're always looking for the next opportunity, always looking for the way out, the, the world of possibilities in front of them because if there's something more, then they know they won't get stuck and, and in this place of lack. For those of us who love sevens, we might see some of the behavior coming out as escapist in nature. Mm-hmm. That's what the gluttony is about. Right. And so the, the passion that's associated with sevens is gluttony. It's this overconsumption. And it's not about, you know, ingesting more calories. It's about the escapism. Right. Right. It's about, we talked about, uh, greed or avarice with fives being about sort of protecting what you have. And sevens aren't interested in protecting. Their focus is entirely on the future. They're interested in consuming, in, in getting forward. In, in it's not just about having two scoops of ice cream. It's about having more ice cream. When that works its way into the mind, we use the word scheming. And that can just, again, be a doom loop of... I consume and then think about the next thing to consume and mm-hmm. consume and then think about the next thing to consume. How am I always scheming about what is next? And you're never present. You're never dealing with the underlying things that really need some attention. And there you go. You're never satiated or satisfied at all in those moments where you're getting the thing that you were trying to get. Correct. Sevens are future-focused in terms of taking in the world through their head, um, responding to their future fears with future tools. So what am I going to do next Saturday to alleviate the fear that's coming at me from next Saturday? That places them in that strange spot of always being in the future. The mm-hmm. negative side is scheming. Um, can, you, can you spell out the positive side of using future tools? Yeah, I think that... Uh, I mean, we all know, like, sevens are great entertainers. Uh, they, they, they want people to enjoy themselves because that's what they want for themselves. Um, but they also, that, that future focus means there's, there's a big idea around the corner. There's, there's something to be done with that future focus. And I mean, like, they're, they're pulling us into the world of possibilities as well. It's not just that they're looking to run toward the next thing. It's that they want everyone to have a good time. And, and they're full of possibilities. Like, I, I'm, I'm not good at creative planning or, or, like, big idea kind of stuff. I'm just not. That's not how my brain works. But all of the sevens I know are like, what if we did this thing? And I'm like, yes, let's go thing that goes through my mind is with your future tools, you should plan on sobriety. You should plan <laughs> right. on doing some internal work. You should plan on entering those spaces where you can really shore up your feeling center. Yeah. And engaging that way can, can give you some, some much needed balance. Mm-hmm. And it's replacing one thing, you know, with another. I right. could go on this, uh, you know, I could hit these 12 bars next Saturday night or... You know, if you replace that with something really, 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 really valuable that allows you to pause and be present, this is this can be great for your soul. Yep. Agreed. Moving to eights. Moving into the body types. So again, Woo. moving into spaces. And eights in particular have that external focus. And so they are angry at the stuff out there. Yeah. Eights feel their own vulnerability. And so the anger that can materialize for eights often comes out of that space. I don't want to feel vulnerable. I don't want to be betrayed. I don't want to be hurt in those ways. And so I create a, um, you know, a a castle wall, as it were, Mm -hmm. to oppose what might be doing damage to my inner core. 
Right. Yeah, eights, uh, I think, have the most energy and are the most sort of self-assured and that that just carry around this belief that most of them I don't think would name without having heard someone say it, but it's that they can rearrange the world according to how they think it's supposed to be or how they want it to be. And this this ties into their their desire to not be controlled and especially that we interpret a lot of us understand that desire to be in control. Uh, and I don't think that's what it is. I think they just, you know, they naturally think that they can change things. And when other people are doing things wrong, they'll step into that leadership role because they want the world to be a certain way. Yep. Biggest epiphany I had for eights and nines. I'm going to use both both the numbers for a second. Ends up being a, the person that uh, TJ and I work with. And we had a problem. And it just it, it shone out for me in, in the problem that we were experiencing. TJ has intentionally created a coffee shop. Coffee shops are very uh, even keel, mellow spaces, have kind of a deliberate pace to them intentionally, especially the way that TJ has shut up his coffee shop. Um, there's not a lot of run, run, run. There's a we make things at a very deliberate clip. Yep. And I'm sure if you've come here, you're willing to wait 15 minutes for your drink. Let's hope. We also have weddings in our space. Yes. The thing about the weddings is it's a surge of energy. Mm-hmm. There's a potency to, to weddings that has a, a lot of, of energy, celebration, passion going on there. And as opposed to the deliberate coffee shop. Right. If you're serving drinks at a wedding... Generally, it's in in these these explosive movements. Right. It's things are getting started. Everybody go get your cocktail, and we're going to get going. Yeah. There's a cocktail hour at weddings. There's not a cocktail hour at coffee shops. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So you have 120 (laughs) orders for cocktails coming in. How do you uh, deal with this? So as we're running our business, this had become kind of an issue for us in terms of how do we set up things such that drinks get served. And the eight, I saw it for the first time here, was using future tools to not feel vulnerable in in this area. He knew what it was like to have a line of 100 people waiting for cocktails. And that's his paycheck, right? And if he can't slam through those very fast, you know, he's not going to get future business. He's also, you know, not going to make his paycheck in that moment. Uh, we need s- systems by which we can do this. And so he's thinking well ahead. I need this stocked. I need this kind of tools. I need this kind of system. I'm going to buy it now to, to I'm, I'm, I, I have my future focus and I'm acting now to ensure that I don't feel vulnerable next Friday. Right. That seems to me a great way to understand how eights are in the world. It's they're using future tools. This is what I need to do ahead of time to ensure that they aren't vulnerable in the moment. And even, even more to that point that it, it's not necessarily about being the one in charge of it, but the fact that he wasn't the one in charge of it for a period of time meant that he did not have control over it and he couldn't, the vulnerability came in when if anything went wrong, it wasn't his say. Yeah. And so just the fact of, of like sort of shifting that responsibility from the coffee shop side to him being in charge of it, even if everything is exactly the same, he feels better because he doesn't feel like he, he's under my thumb. Right. In those moments. It's also the case, and to circle back to spaces, all of us are very aware of the atmosphere in yep. that building. Yep. And if you're throwing an event, he is taking that kind of on himself mm-hmm. in those at, at those levels. And this is an interesting mixture for the three of us because in a, in a similar way, 
the deliberate desire of TJ is to create an atmosphere during the other, you know, six days of the week where it's 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 a very different pace in right. that space. Right. Worth noting that. I'll come back to that when we hit nines, but just that was that illustration has always been just super helpful for me. Yeah. The to push into the sin and fixation, it's all over this. Lust and control go together. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thinking about spaces, lust mm-hmm. has so much to do with our physical understanding of ourselves in the world. Right. It, it's wanting carnal experiences to a high level. I consistently feel like eights are, are really pushing hard against the world to get a response. Mm-hmm. And the in, the desire for intensity of experience is is in part that like what out there can punch back yeah and i also want the world to know that i can punch yeah and both those things are very valuable cuz they 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 allow me to control myself and not feel vulnerable yep the fixation for eights is vengeance and you can see how that might materialize like Absolutely. when things when people actually do hurt you mentally that vengeance is a future focused. I mean, that's a negative use of your future tools. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, and pairing that with this un, we barely talked about anger with eights so far because eights are so comfortable with anger. And I think they, like a lot of eights have reported that they sort of, they feel everything through anger first because anger is one of the most passionate emotions and and eights are all about intensity and passion and 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 when you put all of these things in a pot together and like lean on unhealthiness for to heat up that pot you get vengeance anger and wanting to to be in control and wanting to to ensure you're not vulnerable and then you put in this splash of of lust of of passion for intensity and if anyone ever does anything to you that makes you feel vulnerable, then your anger rises up and says, Nope, not going to happen again. And I'll show you why, because I'm going to, I'm going to just destroy you to make sure it can't happen again. That's exactly right. Uh, Getting out of that is difficult. Future tools, aim, aim those future tools at what? At creating spheres where you can be emotionally vulnerable with others, um, creating, you know, really investing in those relationships where your heart can be on full display and you don't have to be angry and anger isn't the default. It's that this is a space where I can be my full authentic self and embrace the all of my emotions, not just allowing them to, you know, come out as anger. As I'm, the other th- Go ahead. I'm not sure what your question is. I'm, I'm, what's the solution to these things? Like, mm. how do you move out of that? Yeah. Seems to me like the future, your stance is future focused. So that, that's the tools you got. Right. Stance is future focused. Focus on creating some really sound relationships, one or two even, in which you can, you know, expose everything about yourself and not just you know, punch, punch at the world out there. Yeah. And I think also uh, using that sort of thinking about future tools, you're not an island and eventually you're going to need other people. And Mm -hmm. you, you, like you have, you have to figure out how to do this now or else you're going to drive everyone around you away. Another thing, and we'll, we'll get to this at some point, the push to innocence is real interesting for eights. In my mind, it's like, almost targeting places where you get a chance to engage the world where it is innocent. Mm-hmm. Like for whatever reason, I have like an image of my head of going to the dumb friends league and surround yourself with puppies for an hour. But sure. like, I'm sure, I'm sure that's not necessarily the, the right prescription, but it might be, you know, <laughs> uh, hang out with a handful of first graders for, for yeah. a little bit. You will be the strongest. They won't be able to hurt you. You will get to enjoy, you know, just the innocence there. Mm-hmm. And that can be good for the soul. Yeah, when when you think of innocence, there's like you, you, our minds often go to like children, and and that's because children carry an openness to the world. They have not learned yet that they have to put on armor, yeah. and 
this is the place that we're talking about when we talk about eights and innocence. Yeah, drop your shields mm-hmm. in those those ways. That's good. Nines. My people. Nines focus. Nines <laughs> focus again is spaces can obviously it's you know it's keeping the spaces calm. The underlying feeling of anger. TJ will describe as being asleep to that anger. But as we've said in many podcasts, that anger is there. And Mm -hmm. often the reason that nines feel so exhausted is because they're trying to keep that, that, you know, explosion from erupting outward. Yeah. We're just holding these doors closed while this river, this lake is trying to seep into the building. And yeah, Uh, anger is always present and we don't like it because anger leads to conflict and conflict is bad and all conflict is bad. So we should avoid anger, right? This isn't just anger at uh, the people out there, but can be anger at yourself. So similar Mm -hmm. to ones on this front. Yep. Can be anger itself. It can be anger at, well, this is an interesting thing because nines being uh, sort of, I, I, I like the term the crown of the Enneagram, like right at the top there. We see everyone else more clearly than we see ourselves. It's great. I love it. Uh, but the fact that we see all sides of things means that our anger doesn't have a good place to go. Mm. Even when we're angry at something that happened, we can recognize that, like th- this is one of the things that I've always struggled with with anger is that I see anger as pointing at something else. So I never fully embrace my anger because I, I believe that it's not real. When right. it is, and it's a motivator to action and, and all this stuff, but I don't, because I don't clearly understand anger and because I can see multiple sides, it's like I can't get mad at that person because I'm trying to understand what it's like to be in their shoes. And so I'm holding back this anger that I feel internally, not just from exploding onto this other person, but also from feeling the anger. Nines taking in the world through the present are going to respond to the present with past tools. The thing about nines, and many of us who love nines know this, nines can be hoarders, they can be collectors. Mm -hmm. That isn't only of items, that is of people. Yeah. If you blow up at a person, you're going to lose connection. That is correct. This will not be somebody you can rely on in the future to ensure that you have the piece that is desired and control over your space. Yep. And if he's the one guy I know that has a truck, then I have to find a new guy that has a truck. Do you know how much effort that's going to (laughs) be? He's my truck guy. That underlying fear, and this is core of losing connection, is right there for the nine. Mm-hmm. Um, nines attach to the world. They attach to those who are going to give them control over their spaces. And as as said, if you push people away or if your anger goes outward, you're going to lose connection and therefore, you know, nines avoid conflict. Right. Real important to, to note as well that that same posture is going inward. I assume it's the case that nines don't want to feel disconnected from themselves, as it were. Well, and it, that's true, but also I think it's um, it's about the way, because I understand who I am based on my indefinable sense of my space in the world, that also means that all of the things that are connected to me are part of my understanding of who I am. When I have, oh, sure. when I have these specific tools that I've kept for, 15 years and all of a sudden I don't have them anymore. I feel disconnected from who I am. And, and that brings up anger and it doesn't matter if there's a pair of pliers that work exactly the same way in that drawer, the pliers that I've had for 15 years, I can't find. And now I don't know who I am anymore. And, and like, obviously that's, that's a little bit tongue in cheek, but, but that is a very real sense of like the way that I collect things, the way that I keep things around it, all, most of my stuff ties back to something in my past. It helps me understand how I've gotten to where I am and how, who I am now. And those past tools are the thing that informs 
how I'm moving forward. And when I lose connection with something from my past, I lose connection with a part of myself. And put that together just to, as a footnote, it's really worth bringing in affect groups here. Sure. Nines are going to attach to people in relationships in order to get control. I mm-hmm. never really thought about attaching to items yeah. in order to get control, but that's what it is. Yep. And so too, you know, ones are going to be idealists and that's going to be not only about relationships and drawing people in, it's going to be about the items mm-hmm. worthwhile. Um, when that fear goes negative, as we've said in the past, um, sloth in the heart, indolence in the mind, these are the fruit. Uh, you want to talk about how that avoidance of conflict and uh, ends up going south? Yeah, and, and it's when, when you avoid conflict at all times, when you're really just trying to sort of make the peace and, and like just like you, you, everything should be stasis. Like, like we, we're looking for a homeostasis here. We want things to be calm and normal and, and like everyone, let, let's let everyone get along. And, and when you work that hard at maintaining the peace, like I, I think of like, it, it's almost like if you stand for nothing, what do you fall for? Like the, the, the way that you maintain peace is by not caring enough about things to disrupt that peace. And that's what sloth is about. It's not about it's not about slowing down. It's not about couch potato. It's about not engaging yourself correctly and 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 moving through your life in ways that actually affect the world. And then indolence being the part where you actually stop caring about affecting the world. You stop caring about the things that are important and and become more and more comfortable with blending into the furniture. It can be a lot of uh, short-term gain, long-term loss mm-hmm. that comes along with going with the flow. Yep. Because you start, you start posturing yourself to, you start contorting yourself Yeah. when you go with the flow. Yep. And also it's, it, the going with the flow also has that underlying edge to it of my presence doesn't matter. And so why would I, why would I act? Right. I'll just go along to get along. To and the fact that the I don't connection. act m- means my presence matters less. And yep. that means that I act less. And that means that my presence matters less, etc. You want to gain more energy. You just need to act more. It's a, it's an unfortunate. Inertia is a real thing, y'all. <laughs> it's the worst, but it's real. Getting your body moving. This might be a suggestion for for nines. Uh, what does it look like to remember in the past when you were moving and things actually didn't completely break? You know, <laughs> right. uh, being reminded of of past successes attributable to action, mm-hmm. I imagine, could be quite helpful. Not sometimes actions do end up in conflict and things breaking, but well, and, and not even necessarily successes, but like. Every time I work big rushes with other people at, mm-hmm. at the coffee shop, it's it's this invigorating, like, I love my job. And every mm-hmm. time I have moments like that, it's like, oh, yeah, I really love this. Remembering that, like, yes, it's hard work, and I don't love being busy all the time at, at the coffee shop, but having those instances of reminding me how great it is helps motivate me to do it in the future again. Yep. And as has been said, nines need to ride that energy because yep. it will slow down and it's hard to, for nines to yeah. ratchet it back up. Yep. Last kind of word there is it seems to me that that is a, not only a love for other people, like you actually are, are in your vocation serving other people, creating spaces for other people. There is something about a desire for other people's benefit and thriving that comes out of your work that can rightly be called love. Like there's, you know, in in terms of inviting people into your space, this is a caring thing. Likewise, the case, again, nine's energy is going outward and inward. There is a caring for yourself Mm -hmm. in those spaces as well when kneeling to inertia 
that this is not a self-loving posture. Right. Because because sloth and indolence, the, the lack of action, the lack of care is not just about how I affect everything out there. It's also about how my inaction, my my inability to do what I need to do to take care of myself and my surroundings affects me. Right. Not caring about stuff makes me disconnected from things. And, and that, like, if I matter at all, then I need to believe that I matter. We can kind of see that with, you can imagine the person who's been lying in bed for three days says, mm-hmm. no, I'm just caring for myself. This is this does not look like care, right? You know, if I forced somebody else to to be in a room by themselves, stay in that bed for three straight days, mm-hmm. that strikes me as almost a torturous sure situation. Sure, I saw sure. that movie Seven. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there are people out there that could benefit from you know laying in bed for three days because they need to just stop spinning for a second. This is true. But after three days, you have to get back up and do something. Like laying in bed for three days only because three days is when you stop counting and however many more you go is however many it will be. That's bad. Taking a break, not so bad. But with nines, it's really easy for our breaks to turn into long-term kind of stuff. That's it. Let's move to the ones. Great. Land this plane. Focus again for ones is going to be spaces. I, I tried to move this in the intro to saying we need to think about one's spaces as being internal. Mm-hmm. Um, so even when ones can come across as perfectionistic with their environments, it really is about how they feel within mm-hmm. as opposed to eights who are very focused on the external because it makes them feel vulnerable. The external for ones makes them feel um, you know, spoiled or corrupted if things are, if they're in control of the space, it can make them feel a certain way about themselves. So right. we, right. we kind of said this with sixes in terms of the ones who can be obsessed with dirty houses or dirty work environments. It's really not about the environment. It's about right. something else. Right. So do you want to talk about this? Yeah. And I think that like opening the conversation today with talking about validation, I think was a really nice way to sort of get us there because when ones are thinking about their spaces, they're not just thinking about how they feel in the space, but they're also thinking about how they think other people are going to feel in the space. Because if I do this space right, then other people will validate me for doing this space right. It means I'm good. And if I am the one in charge of this space and something's wrong and someone else notices that something's wrong it's not just that the space is wrong it's that i'm wrong something is wrong with me i'm bad i did a bad job because someone else doesn't feel right in this space yep uh we have a real helpful discussion with joey shuey which we may or may not publish we'll see but in our conversation, she made a really clever distinction for ones about being praised for doing a good job and being praised for being a good person. Yep. And ones want the latter. Yep. The it, it may appear that we want somebody to say, hey, you did that very, very well. What ends up happening is if you praise my work, I'm going to be immediately critical of my work because mm-hmm. you've invited me to into a space of judgment. Right. You've judged my work, and so clearly I'm going to judge my work, and now I'm in that mental space. But yep. if you say you're a good person, you're a good man, it's a, it's a very different kind of quality because that's actually what many ones desire, simply right. to be good and whole, and they can rest in, in some of that language. Right. And I think for a lot of ones, it's actually really tricky to see that distinction, because it's yep. so easy to believe that you are what you do. Yep. You are the impact that you've had on the world, and if that impact is is incorrect, incomplete, not done well, whatever, then that obviously means that you're a bad person. And that's just not true. That's right. that's part of the, like, we need to get away from that lie for ones, and, and they need to start recognizing that who they are is separate from what they've done, how they've affected their space. 
Right. It seems so obvious to me that if I, if I do things really well, then I'll feel good about myself. Yeah. And I recognize that's just not how most people roll. Right. This is where the anger materializes. And you'll notice the anger for eights going outward, anger for ones is going inward. Yeah. The reason it's going inward is because of the self-critical posture. Right. At these places. Right. This is where the, the, the critic, the voice inside that's, that's, giving you a hard time about everything that you've done. That's where this lives. It's about the, the corruption, the possibility of corruption, the, uh, the whole thing about not doing things well comes from the critic in, the, in your head saying, you're a bad person because you didn't do this thing well. I was listening to uh, Russ Hudson was on an interview uh, on Zoom that I participated in. He wanted to use the language that all the types have a critic, mm-hmm. but the one's critic is different. Right. I, th- I think it, the volume's probably a little bit higher, but you want to talk about the difference between the you know the inner critic for ones and everyone else? Yeah, I think that the, all of us have some, hopefully all of us have some sort of uh, voice in our head that a lot of us call a conscience. uh, And a lot of us understand as, um, you know, it it can be peer pressure. It can be uh, the, uh, I think it's the super ego that that sort of like examines the self from outside. And like, like most of us have that sort of voice in our head that, that looks at the things you've done or, or how you see yourself, like that, that conversations you have with yourself, the other version, we all have that. And for all the rest of us, uh, I, I think ones, twos, and sixes are in a particular category, but for all the rest of us, we don't have the same kind of relationship with that voice because we don't really think that that voice has as much sway. And when ones, twos, and sixes hear that voice and it enters into their thinking center, which they don't have a good relationship with in the first place, they, they struggle to think productively, that voice holds a lot more power. It holds a lot more uh, say over how they think, how they process, what they've done, what they're planning on doing, what other people think about them, that voice, because of their thinking repression, just has more power. And I think for once, because they have this internal direction for their anger, that voice also carries a lot of anger. Yeah. I, as you're talking, the thing that is coming to my mind is that the, the superego here, the conscience when unhealthy, we'll weaponize our underlying feeling. Right. So for the six, it's going to be, you're not thinking through this enough mm-hmm. and, or for the two, you did, you know, the shame comes out in the way that the inner critic for the, the two would process those. Right. For ones, the energy becomes anger and it becomes yeah. a very improvement, a, a, you know, a toxic improvement-seeking um, the way I experience it is a diminishment of my value, um, kind of beliefs. Right. Yeah. And so that wrath is the sin here for ones and the wrath is just turned inward. Yep. A couple pet peeves I have, uh, out there in Enneagram world and it's the fixation of resentment that I have a pet peeve about. I think sure. resentment, what resentment is really about is not having your ideals met. So sometimes a lot of people, when seeing the behavior, note the word, of ones, they will see resentment coming out when their ideals for themselves and others don't materialize. Mm-hmm. Same resentment we see in sevens, same resentment we see in fours. Yeah, um, It's actually quite common. What, you, what the rest of the world doesn't see because it doesn't necessarily become behavior in the same kind of way as hypersensitivity. Yeah. And I think that's the fixation for ones. Yeah. Ones are incredibly sensitive internally. Yep. At, at a, at a, a, you know, can become a microscopic degree because, again, the desire to not feel corrupt. Yeah. And if their ideals get out of control in that space, you know, for themselves, then, then it can be 
again, quite toxic. Yeah. And I think that like that, that is also a better way to understand what is the quote unquote perfectionism of ones because that hypersensitivity is about the, the things that aren't exactly right. The things that are a little bit off can, can set off that hypersensitivity The and, and that then sort of spills out into the rest of the world and, and, like what we see is someone who thinks that if that light bulb is out, people won't want to be here. Mm-hmm. And what they experience is everything has to be perfect. Like everything has, right. has to be a certain way in order for it to work correctly. That is hypersensitivity. Yep. Notice how easily the light bulb thing is a perfect example. I didn't earn what I wanted to earn mm-hmm. because I made these mistakes. Right. So, this is the challenge for ones, ones that are present, present. So they're taking in the world through their present, responding in the present. But any, but eights, nines, and ones all are have that avoidance to the present that weaves its way in because you can never control the present. Right. And so the message for ones ends up being: you need to be a little bit looser. You need to loosen up your standards. The language of right and wrong may not be helpful. Right. It. It's wrong to think in right and wrong categories, <laughs> which is a contradiction, and it's still very pragmatically uh, beneficial. Right. Or correct. said a Sorry. different way. Correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> said a different way, it's healthy. It is healthy to take on a serene posture. You know, it's healthy to be more, this is how, even though things are, are you know, in a state of disorder, um, this is the way they they should be, and and to kind of embrace an underlying logic or reason to the way reality flows that sometimes is messy. Yeah, and and even to to accept that you may not be the one that needs to fix that thing. Mm. Correct. Yeah, part of serenity is staying in your lane. That's the external posture at work. You know, yep. if you if your energy is externally postured, if you're an earner, if you control by pushing outward, mm-hmm. you know that health is 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 balancing there. Right. Some it's it says straight. So here's a I've I've started to realize this with my withdrawal move into four space is I don't like being in four space. I don't I don't I feel uncomfortable in my stress number, but I also have a belief that when that there are really great times. I see it in other people who are withdrawn types. Mm-hmm. I see, oh, there's a withdrawn type and they're very healthy and they don't overstep. I wonder if I could be that way. And then I go into withdrawn space, but that's a, a space that feels, again, this is very difficult. Like I'm going into a place that I feel uncomfortable. That's right. my stress number. Right. And so like getting comfortable in the high side of four space for the one. And I take some muscle. Mm-hmm. and some intentionality and practice. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, that's been a focus of mine recently. Like, what yeah. does it look like for you to to really enjoy being in your stress number? Because sometimes <laughs> it can be quite helpful for some of these types. Right. Yeah, what are the good things there that you can latch on to and say, oh, yeah, this is, this is valuable? I think I, I, my mind is specifically going towards stance here. Mm-hmm. So for nines, like it can be real valuable for you to get into into an external posture mm-hmm. yeah. where you are earning things. Yeah. I assume that that's very uncomfortable or it can be. I mean, it's it's really <laughs> tricky because I mean, A, I see all sides to everything. And like part of my earning posture when I am in stress can be actually really fun for me. Okay so long as I'm not stuck there. Mm. Like, like b- b- because I, I think that I see a lot of times when I do enter into that more earning, like present focus posture, it's like, like the ability to sort of like turn on a dime and like, like move and change with, with things that are happening. Like this is one of the reasons that I like live performance so much more than I like recording Mm-hmm. as a as an audio engineer is because it's in the moment it's it's like you can't there's such a world of possibilities with recording like you can spend for 
forever trying to get it exactly right. Sure. But in live performance, you don't have that opportunity. If it if you get it wrong, you just move on. And and there's part of that that is exhilarating for me. That feels like you're using your past tools, your knowledge and and you know, and the assets in your in your hand to exert your power in the world, which moves you more into three space there. Like you can you can be in control and driving the ship, yeah. Yes, but like I, I'm as an engineer, I'm typically not in control, you know? Like I'm 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 not the decider. Sure. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. You gotta just react to what's in front of you. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. Something it's a dinosaur bone to uncover. Right. Uh just talking more about the stance of your stress number. Mm-hmm. Just for dear listener. It's worth, uh, many of you are informed, so it's just worth naming the stance of your stress number and asking yourself a handful of questions. Journal over that. I bet you'll, I'll bet you'll discover a lot of interesting things. Sure. Well, and it, it also might be the case that like, because ones are present focused and use present tools, being in that sort of like past withdrawn place is really uncomfortable. But for me... I am past focused and use present tools and being in that more present focused earning place is not that far from my center. Oh, that could be. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I think it's the, it's the stance. It's the getting, it's the, you know, it's the getting what you want Mm -hmm. through withdrawn tools it's a, as was said before, the more that I think about it, it takes a lot of muscle for yeah. me to, to withhold. Yeah. It takes a lot of self-confidence, in fact. Mm. Like, like, we've been talking about this with um, thinking repressed numbers in general, but if you're trying to prove, you know, that you've thought through these things mm-hmm. and that you're intelligent and the rest, then that shows you're insecure. Right. Whereas, like people who are deeply informed, never have to prove anything to others. Right. You know? Right. But Einstein's not going around yeah. saying, "You really need to take my theories seriously." It's nope. He doesn't care if anyone takes it seriously. It doesn't matter. And it's similar, I think, when when I'm in social situations. Uh, like I started, to, I started going to this kickboxing studio recently, which I just love the hell of, and I'm way too. This is my self-critical side. I'm way too out front in terms of trying put my personality out there in order to get a response mm-hmm. and it's because I'm insecure in that space. Sure. It's, a, it's a new space. You know, I'm not good at this thing yet. Um, I want people to, to care about me at some level. Yeah. Um, and it's just coming out with all these just very assertive energies. And I see that with other ones and twos in particular. Sure. Yeah. Something there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is a, a great example of, you know, how we work things out and think about new things. And so yeah. if, uh, if uh, anyone out there has any thoughts to help, you know, move this conversation forward, we'd love to hear them or read them, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is the dinosaur bone. It's yeah. If you're, if you're an eight talk about what, what it looks like to withdraw, you know, right. if you're a three talk about what it looks like to withdraw. If you're yeah. a six assertive energy, what does this feel like? And, you know, all the rest. That's interesting. Bang. That's what I got. We're going to end up talking about some underlying feelings for the next month or so. Great. To be honest, this is a, just a core principle. We'll probably weave it into everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not like we haven't talked about it before, so it'll come up. But the Venn diagram, we got to figure out, you know, the overlap here with so many other things. It's true. I mean, if we ever get uh, off our duffs and, Put some stuff down on paper. I bet you we could get some diagrams out there Ooh, into the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> TJ, you did a great job pitching the need for stars in our last podcast. I was like, why am I even doing this anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Be- because I recorded that at 8 p.m. Uh, after a full day of working and being with a toddler. And, and it's like, oh, I got to get this done so quick. Came out just like like butter. <laughs> so, look, algorithms. You guys like us? 
Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I've that, already forgotten what you Actually, said. that is the other thing is that I don't care about the stars. Right. <laughs> I know the practical purpose of it. There we go. That's the pitch. We continue to meet uh, once a month on Zoom. You can find us on aroundthecircle.org if you want to uh, join those. Just click on events. We also have an event in uh, Colorado in February. Uh, I adjust the prices. I was just way too high and mighty on myself. Chunked them down. I, I mean, I was. <laughs> so if you were turned away by the $100 ticket, they're down at 45 now, and we'd love to have you. And we're also going to throw a little event, which I don't think we'll get that many people to. So, But if it's for you, we're going to do a typing event the night before. So on Friday night, we'll just meet with folks who want to do Enneagram typing. So if you have friends that are new, just want to jump in, we'd love, love, love to have them. And then we'll have a full day event on Saturday. If you want an introduction to that, you can always go to our Start Here podcast. Just type Start Here into your podcast platform of choice. You'll see our podcast and ABC News. Go to the oh, yeah. one. That's right. Go to the Start one that's green and looks like an Enneagram circle. Yeah. That does not say ABC News. <laughs> and then if you if you're one of the few, the proud, the ones who actually love pop culture specifically from the eighties and nineties, uh, you can always go to our movie typing podcast in which there's fantastic, uh, glorious podcast materials to dive into. Yeah. In which we, we type famous characters and talk about their motives and how it materializes in the films that we love most. You like Brian Claxton music? I do. I love Brian Claxton music. Dude's a boss. Lends us these these sweet jams that you're hearing behind yep. this outro. And uh, if you if you really want to support our, our, our work, you can always go to Patreon and uh, send us five, ten bucks. It really makes a difference. That's what I got. You got anything else? I got nothing, man. You see, Jay Wilson, he is not as long-winded as I am when giving an outro. <laughs> and I'm Jeff Cook, and, I, and I'm entirely secure in, in myself and my ability to give a, a pitch here at the end. Good. <laughs> because who you aren't isn't interesting. Damn straight. <laughs>